It's about me having the time and creating the space for me. I don't throw darts at a board. I bet on sure things. Read Sun Tzu, The Art of War. Every battle is won before it's ever fought. Think about it. All right. Welcome, closers, to another episode of the Profitable Property Management Podcast. This is part two of a interview with Tony to talk a little bit about the doorpreneur and to talk also about some of the background of his business and his performance practices. So, uh, Tony, I've known you for a minute now, and one of the things that interests me in your work professionally is its relationship with, with your work personally. All of business is always personal, and what we do on the sidelines and at home dramatically impacts what happens at the office. I'd love to just kind of explore and hear you unpack how your um, off the field performance practices and your thinking about all of that stuff has kind of shifted over time in your career. Sure. Yeah. So my, I, I would say my self-development journey began probably around in 2012, 2013. And it's uh, interesting because it all started with one book. Uh, if anybody's ever read The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari from uh, Robin Sharma, it's an amazing read. And that was my first taste of that world, the whole self-development world. I, I kind of shied away from it from the past. I uh, never really put much focus into it until a friend of mine uh, gave me one at a lunch meeting. And I dove right into it. And a lot of things started to open up for me. And uh, that's, you know, from, from there, I would say I've probably been hooked to uh, personal development, growing, uh, both, uh, you know, in all different domains, whether if it's my physicality, my spirituality, uh, my relationships with others and my business. Um, if I fast forward today, um, I take, I take my outside activities extremely, uh, they're extremely important for me. And it's, it's, it's extremely important for, for me to be able to start the day properly. And there's a lot of different things that I do. So some of the things, um, starting with uh, just waking up in the day in terms of um, I'm a 5 a.m. club member, have been for quite a while now. Um, it's important for me to start the day with a clear head. So I have to get up a little bit early before everybody else does uh, in order to do a bit of exercising. I do some meditation and I do some journaling. And that journaling is, is very specific. Um, over the last few years, I've done a lot of training. I'm part of various different masterminds and different groups. And some of the key characteristics that we do is um, writing uh, different components of our journal. I'll give you an example, uh, sending a quick text to my queen and my kids every morning to be able to make those early deposits in the day, often and early, so that my their tanks are full, full of love, full of gratitude, full of honor, and all these different things. So that that's that's, again, every morning, that's kind of a mainstay for me in order to get done. Um, after that's done, I do a few other things. Um, scheduling my time is of critical importance um, in terms of mapping out my weeks, mapping out my days. Uh, productivity for me has really gone up over the last, I would say, nine months. Uh, ever since I, I did the Ironman and I had to prep for the Ironman in 2019, I seriously had to step up my game in terms of my productivity 
And that became very apparent in my personal productivity and my scheduling components. So being able to plan a quarter, plan a month, plan a week, plan a day has become like, like my secret weapons. Because when you're, when you're training for an Ironman, you're kind of, com- you're, you're, you're forced. You have this, what we call this time compression that if you, if you're not planning properly, you're going to get yourself in trouble real quick. And you're just not going to get a lot of stuff done. I've seen guys do it in the past and I didn't want to make that mistake. So uh, make, making those early deposits with family, getting a sweat on early in the morning. Um, green smoothies is one of the first things that I do every day. I've been doing that for probably five, six years. Uh, nutrition is a huge component of my life. Um, so that's on par. So that, you know, when, you know, when I step into that office every day, I've already accomplished what most people, you know, have a hard time doing throughout a day, you know, 24 hours. What I can get done from five to say six thirty, seven o'clock is really putting me in a position of power to get through my day. Tony, talk to me about causation, correlation, placebo. There's somebody else that's achieved similar or greater results than you without doing the without doing the uh, habits that you just outlined. I think about John Daly, the famous golfer, severely yeah. overweight. Hmm. Um, religiously chain smokes and drinks Cokes and he's a high performance (laughs) golfer. Now, obviously he is a anomaly per se, but not everybody subscribes to this philosophy. How do you, how do you interact with a certain level of skepticism? Um, I, I, I agree to a, to a certain degree that the lifestyle isn't for everybody. I know for years I probably followed maybe 25% of what I do today and I did pretty well. Um, but I wasn't performing at an elite level. Um, for me, in terms of how others get away with it, I think typically in those situations, if you're, if you're taking John Daly in his example, I think he has one of those things that's a natural gift. He's able to, he has that ingrained within him and he, for, you know, and he, he's not required to do a lot of else, a lot of other things to be able to tap into that greatness that he has. You can see that a lot with, various professional athletes, you can see that tremendously in the business space, because let's face it, I'm, you know, I personally know, and you see a lot of very, very successful, wealthy entrepreneurs that are either overweight, they're having issues, or they're having problems at home, yet their businesses are booming. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I, I've seen them all. And I've seen also guys that are um, complete beasts in the gym, they could do an Ironman every day if they wanted to, but they have zero ability to bring in any money. So for me, it's, it's, it's really been, okay, how do, you, how do you create that balance throughout all those different domains? I think if you're, if, if you're really good and you're not doing a lot of practice, I think it's a natural talent that people can just often, they can take advantage of it and it's their strengths. Um, I have some of those and obviously I play on those, but I know to be the best version of I can be and to continuously grow over time, I got to practice my butt off in all the different domains. Tony, I find that the older I get, the more I have an interest in avoiding pursuing proxies, meaning things that are not in and of themselves what I want, but help me get to what I want. Relationships could be a proxy, for example. I don't want to be talking to this person, but they're going to give me something that I want and therefore I'm willing to show up. Money can be a proxy, et cetera. So to that extent, to what degree is 
uh, fitness and this healthy lifestyle a proxy versus not a proxy? Let's talk about the, the degree to which it is not a proxy. What does it give you in and of itself, divorced from performance enhancements, enhancement, et cetera? What do you just, what do you get from it just for doing it for its own sake? So I'll give you a perfect example. Again, I'm going to tie it back to this Ironman because it's, it's very prominent and it's just kind of happened. So that required a lot of hours in solitude on my bike, running, and in the pool. And what I've discovered about myself personally, Tony LeBlanc, over the last nine months has been completely life-changing. It's got nothing to do with my business. It's about me having the time and creating the space for me to ask myself some pretty tough questions, hmm. stuff about when I was a childhood, stuff about my past, um, stuff about my first marriage that ended in divorce, um, all these different things that we, we all walk around every day, every one of us that has some, some baggage of our past. And a lot of people will tend to just push it aside and usually they don't want to think about it or maybe even try to correct it, try to uh, instill new habits or to have different perspective on different situations. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten a fight with my queen the night before. I went on a three hour bike ride and I came out of it going to her, apologizing and seeing a completely new perspective. Maybe not because I apologize for my part, but I also was able to show her a different perspective that maybe she could have on the situation. And it's, it's, it's really helped me grow as a person. You know, regardless of the business aspect, which it had a, a, a lot of great things to do with it. But in, in terms of me personally and connecting, one of my morning rituals is um, my meditation session is a conversation with my seven-year-old self. And that all stemmed from pre, uh, pre-Ironman in terms of getting into a different mental state. Um, and it's been incredibly powerful, the different types of discussions that I have with myself. So I take those from the meditation sessions and I'll bring them on the bike, I'll bring them on the run or whatever. And I just, I go deep, I go deep. I want to understand why I do certain things. And that gives me the space to be able to accomplish some of those things. The teasing out or the nuance of distinction here can go quite deep. And somebody can listen to what you're saying and focus on the specifics of, you know, Tony talking to his seven-year-old self or green smoothies or, or whatever. That is minutia. That is personal expression. The macro level distinction that I see here is understanding and deciding for yourself whether or not the change that needs to happen is external or internal. Is it about the uh, books that you read and the conference that you go to and a new system for your business or a new team member or an employee? Or are those things derivative of changes that can take place internally, how you view the world, your way of being, et cetera? That seems to be the, the crux of what these personal development path buys into is that personal shift is what facilitates the external things. So when you think about some of the um, the internal paradigm shifts that have been most impactful specifically in a business context. Like let's talk about team because team is where this stuff comes up and we start manifesting things relationally. How has how you viewed and interacted with your team shifted as you've been on a personal development journey? I've become much more of a sharing type personality. So um, I'm very much a type of person that keeps most things very close to him. I'm not uh, a uh, big communicator, whether if I'm in public or with them with my staff. So 
this has pulled me out of that and it's required me to uh, communicate a lot more and share a lot of stuff that probably I wouldn't have otherwise shared with my staff. I'm, I'm no longer scared to go with them um, into whether if it's a personal matter or to talk about difficult subjects with them. Previously, I would have, I would have definitely stayed away from stuff like that. Um, so that's, that's helped us tremendously. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's opened up the different types of relationships that I have with my staff versus before they were, I would say quite on the shallow end versus now where we can, you know, neither one of us or any one of us would not have a problem going into a deep discussion with each other. That's, that's helped a lot. It's helped, it's helped the culture of the business. And another big aspect is, okay, the sharing component, but also the teaching component. So not everybody does and thinks what I do. And I, and, and, you know, I, I understand that. So some of the stuff that I've been learning, I've been now packaging that stuff and trying to, again, teach some of the staff. So one of our big principles in what we do is learn and teach, right? In order to learn something effectively or to be able to ingrate it in yourself, the best way to do that is to teach somebody else. So um, there's various, you know, non-business related, sometimes work-related stuff that I'll have discussions with my staff, uh, my vendors, uh, different clients that I'm even working with, because they, a, a lot of people that's, you know, that are around me have questions oftentimes about the stuff that I do. And it allows me that vehicle to be able to have and teach them some of this stuff, however small it may be of a tidbit, whether if it's a fitness related thing or if it's a property management related thing, or if it's about meditating or all these different things, it just opens up the gamut in terms of, you know, what are the different topics that I can talk about with these people and share and learn. Mm. I was having a conversation with a young hustler in our industry just recently, under 30, um, found himself running do, running a fair bit of ops in a decent sized property management company and we were talking specifically about culture hmm. culture is just a fantastically interesting hmm. topic to me because of how it can be truncated how it can be expanded how it can be viewed as so many different things everything from having a kegerator to uh, <laughs> perks and corporate benefits to having a certain type or quality of conversation and where we were headed in the conversation was kind of asking what are the universal wants and desires that all staff that all not just staff members that all people have and what is the degree to which I, as an employer, have an interest in understanding and appealing to those things. You mm -hmm. mentioned opening up in conversation. Some person, somebody may hear that and say, well, Tony, what's the point? I paid them a check. <laughs> there was a mutually agreed upon set of tasks, and therefore they do the tasks. And if they stop doing the tasks, I fire them. Why? Why? I got, I got things to do. Yeah. Why am I having conversations here? Yeah. For, for me personally, I've, I've never wanted to have a business like that. Um, I've always been the type of employer that I want to have great relationships with my staff because I don't consider myself running an office to where um, it's, you know, it's very much me just dictating the different tasks that need to be done with my, with my staff. I find specifically in our industry, it's, it's a very personal business. We're dealing with a, we're dealing with, you know, a lot of different people in terms of tenants, owners, vendors, and all this thing. We're dealing with homes, very sensitive topic, topic for a lot of people. And I find that the staff gets into certain situations to where it exposes feelings and emotions when you're dealing with others. I'll give you an example. When I have to evict somebody, I got to evict mm. the family, right? Mm. Nobody wants to do that. That 
that is naturally going to bring out some raw emotion in people. And in our industry, it happens a lot. If you've got a big office and you're, you're dealing with a lot of stuff, um, it's, it's going to happen. I, just yesterday in my office, I had one of my staff, you know, she, she was in tears over a different situation, not work-related, but, but home-related. She just started with me. And I was so grateful that she, she felt safe and she felt okay to come into my office, shed some tears and talk to me about what was going on. Her son had just broke his leg. He was in severe pain. She missed a full week of work. I'm like, don't worry, we got you covered. We got your back. And if, if I would have been that dictator type of boss to where you do this and I, I, don't, I don't really want anything else, she would have never been able to come to my office and have that discussion. She would have probably went to her office, did her work and just be, I don't know, if, if it's more like a zombie-ish type, like we work a lot of hours, right? We're, we're together a lot. Um, I want to get to know these people on a, on a personal level and I want them to know me because it gives them perspective and it creates loyalty. I don't know about you, but I'm not a big fan of turning over staff all the time, specifically in this industry, because it's hard to find new people. There's not a lot of people that know about property management. So when I got something good, they're not perfect. They don't have all the skills I want, but if they have the personality, they have the loyalty, I will help cultivate them and I will share and I will be vulnerable with them. And you know, we'll, it, with each staff member, it, it, it's different. So that's the type of culture that we've built. And I've had extremely low turnover in the last 10 years that I've had. And I have staff that will they'll kill themselves over, you know, in, in terms of getting the job done. They are just 100% committed to the job. Oh. You use the word cultivate. Yeah. That really speaks to me. What I find most drawing and most exciting about personal development is the idea of human potential, which is kind of addicting to the degree that you believe that we are not static, but that we are capable of shift and change, which we all believe about ourselves, but we oftentimes choose not to believe about others. It puts you in a position of, it's almost like, um, I think about some of the video games that I played when I was a kid. There was an NBA game where you could pick various types of competencies for an athlete, how high mm -hmm. they can jump, you know, their mm -hmm. shooting average, et cetera. If you believe that those bars can actually, those are variables that actually can be augmented, you develop a very significant interest in actually facilitating that. What yeah. I know is that the vast majority of entrepreneurs want to build a self-managing company. That is a Dan Sullivan strategic coach concept, yes, but without even unpacking mm -hmm. it, most people just intuit that, yeah, of course I would want to have a self-managing company. But the question that I, I always ask is, is it likely, like, what are the odds that that is going to emerge out of a top-down command and control kind of culture? And is anybody smart enough to actually manage that through raw oversight and aggression as opposed to it bubbling up out of people having the freedom to express their unique talents and abilities. I think we all intuit that it is the latter, but there's always that aspect of us as an entrepreneur that in a place of scarcity or pain or fear can kind of revert to gripping. Talk to me about the, how you at this current state with this current intention and desire still deal with or push back against that desire to kind of uh, grip from, from time to time, if you know what I mean by that term. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think there's, I've become, 
I, I would say my past, the the way that I probably managed and I, the way that I took care of my staff in the past was sometimes too too soft. I have seen myself get a little bit more, um, I don't know if you knew, strict in terms of what my expectations are of my staff. Um, so we've, we've tightened the reins a little bit, but that has only come because we now have proper structure and systems implemented into the business. So now the objectives are clear amongst all of us. Before, they were only clear in my head. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when the staff didn't do something, I was like, well, you didn't tell me to. I'm like, oh, man, I I thought I did or I thought you understood what I was saying. Um, I have seen businesses where they do very well in terms of you have that dictator on top and it's just like a, a bunch of minions doing the work. And the turnover is high, but the businesses are very successful. Um, I think there, unfortunately, there's probably always going to be some businesses that are in that type of world. I think it, it depends on the industry and the service that's being provided. Um, I know for me personally, I don't subscribe to it. I never will. I don't think I have my bones cannot produce that type of personality and Mm -hmm. nor does my partner. And that's why we make such a great team. So I've, you know, I've, I've seen it work and I've also seen the people gripe. So the people that are in those environments with the dictator, I believe that the stars will always become stars, no matter where they are. They will shine. They'll find, they'll find their path. So whether if they're with a great boss, they may just be excelled to that, to that location a little bit faster versus working for the dictator and kind of going out on their own. So that's, that's kind of how I believe. And I believe, you know, in, I like my way, I think cultivating and, and working with your staff and, and, and allowing them room, space and grow uh, and providing them the opportunities to grow, I think is, you know, my personality the best way to go. I think that's well said. It's not about right, wrong. It's about effective versus not effective. And yeah. for McDonald's, that is it effective. Works. That it clearly works. has has worked. Absolutely. So the type of work, is it more mechanistic, more deterministic, or is it more creative, more knowledge work? I think those are, there are some meaningful distinctions in that. When we talk about building up loyalty, when we hear folks say, th- uh, people say things like, I just can't find good people, or I can't find hmm. anybody that I can trust. Mm-hmm. Implicit in the idea of finding somebody that you could trust is the willingness to actually trust them and therefore to push down responsibility to give them the opportunity to screw it up. What does cultivating leaders look like for you? Do you have any GMs, director, directors of ops? What does that structure look like within your own business? So I'm happy to say we do have a very clear leadership town. Uh, leadership team now, uh, thanks to EOS. So we're, we're newly adopting uh, the EOS system. So we're, we're very happy with it so far. Um, so some of the things that we're doing is in addition to the whole EOS thing. Um, so we have um, managers in, in different divisions, whether if it's our finance, whether if it's our maintenance group and, and our property manager, head of, head of property management. So each one of those staff members are taking outside uh, personal productivity courses. Um, that's going mm. to be helping them with their time management and leadership skills. I think it's something that it's a it's a foundation that I believe that anybody on a leadership should have. Um, whether it be simple things like uh, writing skills, speaking skills, you know, telephone skills, stuff like that. Um, we we did some work in those areas, but now we're we're kind of upping the bar a little bit and actually tending uh, we're sending three of them on uh, six month courses. To be able to to work on all those areas, so I'm I'm super excited. They're all excited because they're starting to see. Wow, you know, it's like 
you know, he, he, he sees what we're doing. He appreciates what we're doing and he wants to get us to another level. And all the intent is that is to raise the bar for our, our business. Right. Um, I want them to be able to take on new challenges that they may not have been able to do before. We're growing in staff count. So I need the leadership ability for those people as, as I back up and I give them a little bit more room to maneuver in the business. I need them to have those skill sets. So that's where we're investing right now quite heavily. PM Grow is back, the property management conference for growth-minded entrepreneurs. For those of you that are committed to investing in yourself, to changing your inner dialogue, inner game, to networking with the best, and from learning from entrepreneurs that have done and lived and come to the place where you want to be today. It's taking place in Austin, Texas, May 27th through the 29th in 2020. Go to pmgrowsummit.com to check it out. We'll see you there. Mm. I feel you. Yeah. You get what you tolerate in oh, life yes. oh, and yes. in business in general. And yeah. that starts with yourself first. Hypocrisy is always the temptation of leadership to conflate or convolute my position as the founder, which is defined by the fact that I took the initial risk mm -hmm. to conflate that with ability, acumen, character, or a bunch of other virtues that I can superimpose on myself mm -hmm. simply because I'm in charge. Mm -hmm. Now, hey, it's good to be king. Yeah, I don't deny absolutely. that. But, but at the same time, there are people that are smarter than me with, with greater attributes and all manner of capacities that in, in some ways that, that maybe someday will be able to do a, a better job than me in leading this organization. And to the, to the degree that I expect and want it to be a meritocracy that has to start with myself as well. When you think about what your personal development and, and offline practices enable you to do in terms of how you relate and, and expect of your team, do you think that they are aware and that they connect the dots of how Tony comports himself personally with what he expects of his team? 100%. Absolutely. They, they've seen a pretty big shift, I would say, in a lot of different things in the office over the last, I would say, five years. The last 18 months have been, um, there's been a lot more changes in terms of what's been happening. Um, but yeah, absolutely. They, they can see it and I share it with them. I've, I've become, I'm, I'm no longer wanting to keep it a secret. And that's, again, it's a big reason why I put a lot of that type of stuff in the book because I believe it's, it's so important. I believe it's, it's the formula to be a successful entrepreneur that's well that's well-rounded. Mm. I don't believe that you should be so solely focused on one thing. I believe that you have to be, you have to have that laser focus on certain things to do big things. I get that, but it doesn't mean at the detriment of something else. And, and, and I learned and, and, and stuff like that. And I share that with them. And when I came back on, on one of my trips last year, um, where I was in California, where we did some training, um, they did this, uh, this video of the entire event and it had some very graphic visuals of stuff that we do, stuff that we did physically in terms of 
uh, picture like uh, seal uh, seal camp, uh, seal training type stuff. Mm-hmm. And they saw a lot of moments of me getting, you know, my butt whipped and me breaking down and 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 also speaking on different topics with regards to just life in general. And they can definitely see the correlation on how all of that has helped me in one particular area, and it's my clarity. Hmm. That trumps all. For five years, I maybe even say six or seven, I knew we were going somewhere. It's like, you know, it's there. It's like, it's a mountain, but it's far and it's foggy. And it's like, a, you know, we're, we're growing, we're growing, we're growing mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. the point to where I'll, I'll never forget, but we landed a big deal, nice big building. And just the, the looks on the my staff's faces when it was like, oh, man, just more work. <laughs> really? Yeah, right. And I'm like, that scarred me. And I'm like, what am I doing? It's like, is I, I didn't mean to build this business it's not meant to just put money in my pockets, although that is that is a pathway. It's like you, you, you want to build an environment to where you're enriching the lives of not only yourself, but your staff and the people that are surrounded by us, right? And definitely it, this stuff, it has, when you go through these changes or these evolutions as a person and you work with these people every day, they notice it. They see it. They see how happy I am. They see how pissed off I am if something happens. But they see the clarity of what we're doing where we're going and how we're doing things that has completely transformed that this year, 2019. Mm, Clarity. I couldn't agree more. Clarity is conviction. Conviction is certainty. Sales leadership is certainty. And it's really easy to avoid doing the heavy lifting to get clear on what do I want for my life as entrepreneurs in many ways, we're driven by I'm here. Therefore I work my ass off. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to um, increase. I'm trying to grow. And many times we conflate growth with just wanting more. The ego always wants more. Unfettered, no definition for no specific purpose. The ego just wants more. If we sit back and we really get curious, sometimes we get to that same conclusion of business growth for a really thoughtful reason. But the defaults, the defaults of when we're just grinding. I find for myself are not positive. The clarity that you've generated for yourself and for your team, how do you think your team thinks about participating in that? You've adopted (laughs) EOS. It's great that you have core values. Uh, I think everybody generally agrees that those are are good, but core core values have their limitations. Um, As a team member, how is the clarity that Tony has going to come back? How is that, how is that going to come back to me? How is that going to benefit me? The clarity on their roles and responsibilities as an employee of the business. Um, for, for years, we, you know, we, we, we ran things to where um, things were, we grew so fast in the first five years that we, we really didn't have a lot of time or nor did we put a lot of attention into actually creating the foundation in terms of our systems and our processes and all that good stuff. So it often kept the staff quite overwhelmed. And the, the perfect example is uh, this new hire that we brought in and she expressed, you know, some, some concerns about, you know, I don't know what to do. Um, I, I got to ask 10 people, you know, about this. And I don't know if I'm asking the right people and who does this and who does what put that person in an environment where every day they got to work with that uncertainty of not knowing what they're supposed to be doing or who they're supposed to be talking to. 
Um, so in terms of their functionalities and their productivity over the span of a day, they are much now clear on terms of what they should be producing. They have clear targets. They have goals. They have scorecards in terms of what they're going to be tracked on. So as an employee, when you know what you need to do and you know the parameters of what your expectations are and where you could go over them and you know do a little bit better, I think that provides a better working environment for anybody. I know if I had to go into a job every day and not know what the hell I'm supposed to be doing or am I doing a good job? Am I doing a bad job? I don't know. I got nothing that tells me that. I have no metrics, right? You're just kind of lost all the time. So that combined with the stress of the world of property management and having your phone call ringing nonstop all day, people after you all the time, front doors ringing, this is that. It's like it's, it's overwhelming to say the least. So th- just that in itself, you see this big, uh, you see the shoulders drop and they're like they're a little bit more relaxed. They're a little bit more, you know, talkative in the office. They're having their lunches. They're laughing. It's, it's the, the tone and the overall feel is different. It's not, it's not as tight. It's not as intense. Mm. We, we work in an, an environment that's it's intense enough on its own. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't need to introduce any other things that I can completely control. So in terms of big picture outcomes, that resonates with me to the degree that we acknowledge the sacred nature of work, at least in the sense that it consumes the vast majority of our waking hours. And for many of us, uh, most of our consciousness, because it's not just nine to five for the entrepreneur, you're working more than that. Even at the time that you're not there, you're thinking about it. So it's so incredibly impactful. If we start off assumptions with a couple of key assumptions, things like that people, everybody wants to be successful and everybody wants meaning and fulfillment from their work, that the work is inherently about more than the paycheck because it represents my creative expression, my my ability to manifest my agency and to impact the external world that I live in. If you grant those things, then we recognize that work is by by nature and by definition meaningful. And I love what you said. If we can remove needless friction, if we can remove a sense of dread or doom or um, uselessness, et cetera, those things in and of themselves, I mean, that's just a net a net bump to somebody's quality of life. So I love that. To keep, t- t- tell me more. Yeah, so we um, something that we recently implemented, which has been truly magical in our, our in our office. So for probably the last couple of years, we've closed the office in terms of the public on Fridays from we, we close at one. So typically our hours are nine thirty to four thirty. Staff comes in at eight thirty for the first. This was their first. This was phase one. So we were eight thirty to four thirty Monday to Friday. I then changed it to where. We're still 8.30 to 4.30, but we will only open to the public and the phones will only open at 9.30 so that we can have that first hour. I want you guys to have some breathing room. Look at what you need to do for the day, plan your day, review your emails. And then at nine, we have a 30 minute huddle to where we review our vacancy list and review the tasks of the day and kind of what's going on. Everybody kind of checks in quickly and then we can go to work. Phase two was we implemented Friday afternoons uh, closing at one o'clock. So from one to four thirty, the staff had time to breathe. Once again, the phones were off. They'd go to answering service, and they could get caught up on work. You know, they could do paperwork that they needed to do. 
whatever, whatever they, they needed to go visit some buildings or they had some appointments, whatever, it didn't matter. I just wanted to be able to give them some breathing room and very well received. So about three or four months ago, I've upped it again. So now we close Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday from one to 4.30. And the ter in terms of productivity that I'm seeing getting done is kind of blowing me away. And also the work productivity is great, don't get me wrong, but in just in terms of their demeanor, in terms of the staff, they don't seem stressed out as much. And again, it's just a little bit more uh, better mood in the overall office. I come in, it's, it's beautiful. I come in on a Wednesday afternoon or a Wednesday afternoon at two or three o'clock and it's, it's just quiet. Everybody's in their office working. They're not getting preempted by a hundred phone calls or tenants coming in to, to complain about this or that. And what that's doing, the beautiful part that that is forcing now is it's forcing us to come up with situations and solutions to the problems to why we were getting so many calls, why we were getting so many walk-ins, all these different things are now popping up and it's like, oh, okay, well, now that we're closed, we have to really make sure that our communication strategy with these, with these tenants are such that if they want to get a hold of us, the best way is through email so that we have a written word and we have, you know, everybody can kind of cover their butts. Um, rents, we were getting way too much cash and people coming in to pay. No more. It's done. We, we're closed. We eventually want to be closed like four days a week to the public. So it's forcing all the tenants and the communication strategy with them to say, okay, everything now is uh, pre-authorized or email transfer. That's it. So we're getting a lot creative now because I'm seeing they're having more time. It's, it's beautiful. It's like, wow, I'm kind of blown away. Now, what, what what is the tension between those strategies to what it was required to make it work internally versus any potential sacrifice on the client facing experience. I don't want to present a false dichotomy, but how do you think about potential tension here? It's, it's actually turned out better because it's forcing us to communicate more actually with the tenants in terms of whether if it's phone calls or email communication. And what that's also enabled us to do is to take one of our, uh, we're basically one person less in the office I think we talked in the first one about portfolio versus departmental setup. Mm -hmm. We've currently, we've recently switched over to a portfolio approach. So now that we don't need those people in the office, they're out in the field now. So I, I, I got a call from a tenant sent us a, a beautiful email the other day. She's like, I sent in a maintenance request and it was fixed like within a half hour when otherwise that could have taken a phone call to the office, sent out to the maintenance guy. He may or may not have gotten it till today or tomorrow where in this case it came in, the phone call went directly to the resident manager, the new property manager that was just in charge of those seven buildings. And she was, she was just down the street. She went over and she fixed it. I was like, ah, that's exactly what I want, right? So that, those little things are happening all over. I think we were, what was happening before, the staff was so busy and so overwhelmed with a lot of the, a lot of the work that we were not communicating enough to the staff, uh, to the to our tenants, or whether of our owners. You know, I put them all in the same bucket in terms of communication strategies. So this is now giving us the space to be able to properly, okay, I need to send this email. Can I have five minutes to draft it, get it done, get all my points across properly, and then send it out? Versus before you start writing an email and then you get phone five phone calls, you get a couple texts, you get somebody coming in to pay the rent, and you just you just get a 10-minute task can take half a day. And we were getting killed with stuff like that. So the, the changes that we've done, I think it's, it's still early to tell, but from what I'm already seeing, 
I think it's actually increasing uh, the customer satisfaction. And we're going to be backing that up again. Now we have time. Um, we're preparing for our first uh, survey probably towards the end of the year. So we're going to be conducting uh, quarterly surveys with the tenants. That was one of the main, um, I, I would say, uh, things that we wanted to do to make sure we were on the right track. And this wasn't, like you said, causing us more problems in the end. So we're going to track it very closely. Mm. Tony, any situation can be divine or hellish, depending on your perspective. <laughs> Property management is no difference. This can either be a low profit, um, verbally abusive, toxic mm. environment that that brings out the worst in you to kind of have this prisoner, uh, prison guard complex, or it can be a place where... There's time, freedom, opportunity, recurring revenue, making great money, spinning off their various businesses, et cetera. Mm -hmm. For folks that pick up a copy of the Doorpreneur book, what do you mm -hmm. hope that they walk away from? What's, what's your highest and best ideal for, for what they'll take away from it? Number one, they got to play to win. I believe that your lifestyle, meaning your body, your, your, you know, all, all that encompasses your health and fitness, I believe that spirituality and stuff like that, uh, whether it's meditation, um, play to win. So in order to do that, I have a strong belief that you need to be in a certain physical capacity to a certain degree. I think you have to work and train your mind to be in different things. So for those people that that type of stuff is not important to them, I hope that they pick that up out of the book, how it's been such a lever for me to be able to help me over the last 20, 30 years get to where I am today. It all started when I was 16 when I did started bodybuilding. And I've always been involved in that world uh, with physicality, nutrition, and now with the whole meditation, personal development. It just makes you grow. Um, second of all, property management needs to be profitable. There's no excuse. I've, I, I hear it and I see it and it just rubs me the wrong way. There's too many people out there running property management businesses on the side. And it's, it's okay not to be profitable because they have a massive real estate business. Mm. Um, property management, in order for us to get to that next level, and to, as, an, as an industry, we need to be more professional, we need to step up our game, and we need to be great profitable businesses on their own entity, just running on their own, not relying on real estate, not relying on your, your spinoffs or anything like that. The management has to be whole and it has to be built right and it has to be concrete. Third point is to open up their perspective in terms of an entrepreneurial spirit. There's a lot of people that come in. So there's in, in, in my world, I see two people, there's entrepreneurs and you get your technicians. So the e-myth type stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I see a lot of old school property management people, more of a technician. I'm starting to see a lot more entrepreneurs come into the business and it's fun it's exciting for me because that's that's who i am but knowing that there is a need for both in this business i'm a firm believer of that um, you need the entrepreneur to be able to grow outside of the box and to be able to build a great business but we are such a system and process heavy industry business that you need that technician you need that person to be able to clamp down and have great systems great procedures all that stuff so perspective that their their property management doesn't just have to be about managing a property there i believe that there is a massive ecosystem that can be built around property management i think it's the ultimate i think it's the ultimate business platform 
that a lot of people have no idea exists. And it's beautiful. Once you see it, you can start, you'll, you'll start seeing different things pop up. So perspective is a, is a massive thing. So those are the three things I'd like people to get out of it. I love it, man. You sold me, especially on that last point about property management being a platform. I have a new parting question on the podcast. And the question is this, Tony, what is the end game of business for you? Hmm. That's a good one. <laughs> um, for me, the, the, my business is, is so closely in, interrelated with my personal life. Um, the end goal for me in, in terms of what I'm doing today is to become or to be part of a change in an industry. Um, of course, we all, we all do things. We all do business for, for obviously the, the, the financial element. Um, I'm happy with security, being comfortable where I am and with who I am. But for me, this has been more of a vehicle in terms of making and contributing to an industry that has provided for myself and my family now for two generations. I believe that there is so much more to discover and to uncover in this world. And for me to even think that I could play a part in it makes my, gives me chills, right? As, as I just think about it, because I believe there's so much greatness in this industry um, that we just, you know, it's, it's going to take a little bit of time. It's going to take a lot of work, but I believe that it can, it, it can excel to a completely different level to where it is seen today. So that's, that's always been uh, my, my goal and kind of where I want to go. I love that answer. Tony, for those that want to check out the book, where do they go and when is it going to be available? So doorpreneur.com is the place to go. And the book is officially out November 7th. You can get it on pre-order now on Amazon, uh, chapters for my Canadian friends, uh, Barnes and Noble, just about everywhere. Um, but official launch date is, uh, yeah, we're like eight or nine days away, November 7th. All right, man. Super I'm ex excited. I'm excited for you to be doing yeah. a launch. And uh, sure. guys, I encourage you to get a copy. Tony, appreciate you coming on the show. And let's Thank stay you. in touch next time you're in Austin. Let's break bread. Absolutely. You got it.